Tales of Zendaria Chapter 11 The Umbra The group skidded through the streets of Zendar, gold steeds galloping at full pelt. Passers-by would have stopped and stared if they had been given the chance. Instead, all the people of Zendar could see was a rapid gold blur tearing past with thunderous noise. They made their way towards the Umbra. Phelan could see it approaching based on the line of buildings shrouded in darkness. Through the rest of Zendaria it was perfect daylight, but not in the Umbra. April stared out the window. "'What is that?' she asked, mouth agape. "'Did your father never take you to the Umbra?' Bolthar shouted, still hanging on to the outside of the carriage. "'No, why would he?' April shouted back. "'Good point,' he admitted. "'Well, you know how the elves have Sindare, the city of perfect light?' This is the opposite of that, he smiled, looking at the approaching blackness on the horizon. Many a conniving evil can be found in the Umbra. A minute or two later, and the carriage burst into the shadows of the perfect darkness. Had April not known better, she would have thought them to be going through a very long tunnel. Instead, the dark persisted around every twist and bend. The streets were getting increasingly narrow the further they went. Eventually, the carriage shuddered to a halt on a seemingly random street. Right, everybody off. Someone check the peacekeeper in there hasn't died. Phelan yelled from above. April shook Salanth, who blearily opened an eye. His eyes grew wide and he froze up, drawing a sharp intake of breath and clinging to the seat before he realised he was in safe company. He breathed quickly, staring ahead and trying to calm his heart rate. Salanth, are you okay? What happened in there? April asked. It... it did not go well. Either we underestimated the king... Overestimated the power of the rangers, or both, Salanth mopped his brow. I can only hope my brothers made it out alive. The notion of her father killing someone still did not sit well with April. He can't have killed them. He'd be declaring war on the rangers' council, which would be madness, April said, panicked. Once you left the room, the king was decidedly more... brutal. Salanth stared into middle distance. Ranger John is missing at least one arm... And Questus, he trailed off. Questus, the quiet one, April asked. Hmm, Salanth murmured. Unconscious last I saw. Bolthar stuck his head through the carriage window. Ah, don't worry about it, mate. You're not the first person to get their ass kicked by Quosteed, and you likely won't be the last. He gave a sympathetic smile to the ranger, opening the door and holding out a hand. Salanth grasped it and was yanked down the steps to the ground. April gingerly stepped down after him, with Willow leaping from behind. Come on! Phelan urged. Do you think they haven't sent soldiers after us? Or, God forbid, his kingliness could be following? Bolthar picked up their bags and handed them to their respective owners. She's not wrong. We'd best get clear of the gold steeds. Not exactly inconspicuous, are they? He admired the galloping beasts which had so readily allowed their escape. Follow me! Phelan uttered, rolling her eyes. The group distanced themselves from the carriage, making their way through the streets which were occasionally lit by a solitary lamp. They entered a patch of parkland, or perhaps what was once parkland, as it was all brown and dead. Husks of trees towered above, with a gravel pathway leading through. After following the path for a moment, Phelan stopped and turned around. Right. Much as I enjoyed being chased by monarchs, what exactly is our situation? She asked. Er... Fine question, Bolthar replied. And how exactly are we going to get out of it? Phelan continued. Also a fine question, Bolthar said sheepishly. The Rangers' Council will continue their investigation, I'm sure, 
Salanth interjected. Oh yeah, and you know what you do when you're scared of the Rangers Council? Go around beating seven hells out of Rangers, of course. Phelan spat. The king isn't afraid of you or your council, and if you're right about these magics he's using, who can blame him? Well, we have to do something, April urged. If not, I'll be back in the palace, or dead at the hands of Shea. And by the sound of it, you'll all be dead at the hands of my father. What can we do? She asked sincerely. She's right. Salanth appeared to have woken up a little bit. As the hearing was cut short, I don't know if I've been stripped of my ranger status. Either way, I am an enemy of the king, as are you two. He gestured at Balthar and Phelan. Yeah, thanks for that, by the way. I came to get my money back, and instead I became a fugitive. She glared at Balthar. Sorry, Phelan. Really, I never meant for this to happen. Balthar appeared ashamed. Can't even go home and get my good pants, Phelan muttered. One thing I think we can all agree on, Salanth marched towards his point, is that Zendaria is no longer safe for any of us, except perhaps Willow. The dog looked up at Salanth curiously and then resumed her business of sitting down. What are you suggesting? April asked. We must leave the country, and fast, the ranger replied. April's head spun. She had never left the country before. If ever the king had left on diplomatic matters, she was always left with Miss Regibald in the palace. But where exactly can we go? Balthar asked. It's not like many countries would happily go against Zendaria at this point. They'd sooner arrest us and send us back to the king than start a war. War is coming whether they like it or not. You're probably right, Phelan remarked. Vindar's not an option, I'm afraid. The government are nice and chummy with Zendaria, even if the people aren't. Same issue with Helspeth, Balthar nodded. Neither country wants another race war. Tecaria, April cut in. What? Balthar was taken aback. Tecaria, you saw how the soldiers feel about us back in your tavern. I don't think anyone in Tecaria would be in a hurry to make my father happy, April said calmly. That's if they decide not to behead you on principle, Balthar exclaimed. No, wait. She has a point, Salanth raised a finger. The princess's face is not well known in Tecaria. We can disguise her well enough to hide. And the Tecarians are all too proud to let King Quosteed tell them what to do. He scratched his chin through his face mask and appeared lost in thought. King Befold would sooner give up the throne than bend to Zendaria's will. I don't know, Salanth. I've spent more time putting Tecarians in the ground than I have talking to them. I reckon this is just going to be from the fry pan straight into the fire. Fire we can handle. Or our soon-to-be ex-ranger can. Kingface, however, we cannot deal with right now. Phelan interjected. I vote Tacharia. I've always wanted to see the ruins of Plygost. Well, then I guess I'm outnumbered, Balthar grumbled. Are you at least on my side, dog? he asked, looking down at Willow. She grinned and barked once. Well, that's a maybe, at least. Any ideas how to actually get to Tecaria? he asked, rolling a cigarette and lighting it. It will take several weeks of trekking through the countryside. We will have to avoid main roads, forage and hunt for food, and follow the rivers where possible for water. Salanth paced back and forth, all while avoiding soldiers and the royal guard who will be on the hunt. Or, Phelan frowned, we cannot be totally insane, and we can take a carriage. Not an option. The royal guard will be checking any and all carriages that leave the country, Salanth retorted. Correction. They'll be checking any and all carriages that don't have the right permits, said Phelan. I think I know a guy who knows a guy. Is this on the level? Balthar asked. Not even a little bit, 
Phelan answered honestly. But three out of four of us... Willow barked. Sorry, three out of five of us are wanted fugitives as of ten minutes ago. Well, you a bit longer, Bolthar. She smirked. Who is it you know? Salanth inquired, cycling through his knowledge of criminals, ex-soldiers, and generally nasty individuals in his head. Bristleback, Phelan stated plainly. By Aretha's beard, you can't be serious. Bolthar's eyes widened. Surely not, Salanth joined him. Um, who's Gristleback? April asked, unsure what the issue was. He's a criminal syndicate leader, notorious for his ruthlessness and lack of scruples, Salanth glared at Phelan. Plus, he's a right bastard, said Bolthar. He's run the Umbra for years, and none of the stories paint him as anything but a living nightmare to all who cross his path. April shuddered at the descriptions of this individual. He sounded like a villain from one of the books she liked, about princesses trapped in castles who kicked the doors down and pushed the baddies out the windows. She wondered how pushable he might be if it came to it. This is all true, Phelan agreed. But do either of you have any better ideas? An hour or so later, the group had navigated some of the deepest depths of the Umbra with Phelan's guidance. They came to a narrow building poised on the corner of two intersecting cobbled streets. It rose high into the air and leaned over slightly. Were there light, it would have cast a long, deep shadow. This is it? Salanth asked. Don't judge a book and all that, Phelan replied, opening the wooden door and leading them all inside. The room was panelled entirely with wood and was completely bare save for a reception desk, several plain wooden chairs and a solitary blue vase complete with flowers sitting lonely on a shelf. Do you have an appointment, dearie? A genial old lady sat behind the reception desk, hair curled and horn-rimmed glasses adorning her face. Uh, no, Phelan replied awkwardly. She didn't appear used to outward friendliness. Not to worry. Have a seat and I'll let him know you're here, the old lady smiled. It's Phelan Syroot, Phelan confirmed. I know, dear, the old lady continued smiling. As Phelan turned away, the receptionist tapped on a protruding wire several times, and a flash of light tore along a cable rising up through the ceiling. April, who had sat in one of the uncomfortable wooden chairs, watched, fascinated. How do those work? she asked. Kino wires, one of Kelethor's inventions, Bolthar answered. Uses magics in a more accessible way to ordinary folk, I believe. They don't work over long distances, mind. Most cities have a fair network of them, but they don't extend more than a few miles. Hmm. It's simple kinetic energy transfer metamorphosing into light with a few unique neural imprints and some enchanted wire. Any moron could have done it, said Salanth. Aye, but they didn't, Bolthar grinned. Kelethor did. Salanth crossed his arms and heaved a dejected sigh. They waited only for a few minutes, each of them twiddling their thumbs, until finally the old receptionist broke the silence. All right, you can go up now, loves. Careful of the steps, they get awful steep near the top. She gestured for the group to head up the stairs to the reception's right. Phelan continued leading the way, followed by Bolthar, Salanth, April, and Willow, who was practically leaping up the final set of steps. After the narrow, winding staircase, they had arrived at a door. Phelan knocked three times and entered cautiously. Another all-wooden room, this time enveloped in darkness. There were no lamps, only a window at the rear which let in, well, not light so much as an absence of complete darkness. In front of the window sat a desk, and saddled behind it was a portly individual closely examining what appeared to be a rock. He was mostly bald and wore a monocle and a curious black suit. 
another dud. He flung the rock across the room into the wall and it shattered. So then, how's my favourite half-elf Merc? he asked. Fine, thank you. Always a pleasure to see you, Gristleback. Phelan did a mock curtsy. I bet, he grunted. I see you've brought me gifts. He narrowed his eyes and glared at the rest of the group. Um, not exactly, Phelan said quickly. We need passage out of Zendaria, and fast. I was hoping you might know of someone heading towards Tacharia in the next day or so. Gristleback appeared to be slowly chewing, though he had nothing in his mouth. His chin rolled and rolled as he thought. The king would pay a fine price for this lot. He sat back. I stay in business by remaining on his good side. We can pay, Phelan said nervously. Mm, I know you can. Gristleback leaned forward and jabbed a stubby finger into his desk. But why is your coin worth the bother? You're a fine merc, Phelan, but I've no need to throw myself against Quosteed. We can pay tribute. Phelan stepped forward and placed an ornate serrated dagger onto the desk. Fendarian. Sonderbaird. April's eyes lit up as she recognised the craftsmanship and the runic inscription as being similar to what she'd seen in the market square. Mm, very nice. The crime lord's eyebrows raised as he turned the blade over in his hands. And what did this lot have to give? His eyes caught notice of Willow. Is that what I think it is? A true Zendarian purebred? Um, yes, yes, she is, April replied. Oh, any old dog is a rarity, but a pure Zendarian collarhound. He trailed off before regaining himself. Give me the pup and safe passage is yours. I, Salanth began. She's not for sale, April said flatly. I'm sure you can be persuaded, Gristleback raised an eyebrow. I don't own her. She is her own being and she's free to do whatever she wants at any time, April stated. Willow looked around quizzically before deciding to sit down. Sitting down tended to resolve most of the issues she faced. Funny thing is, I'm also my own being. And I'm free to do whatever I want, including take your dog and hurl you from this here window, Gristleback growled. We have other tributes, Phelan cut in. Items of value, things that mean something to each of us. She turned and frowned hard at the rest of the group, gesturing frantically for them to come forward. Ah, uh, Salanth began. I have... He paused in thought for a moment. My ranger's badge. He peeled back a fold in his black jacket, unpinned the silver badge and placed it on the desk. I don't have one of these. Gristleback turned it in his sausage fingers, examining the details of the engraving. The badge was a reforging of the ranger's sigil, an adjoined sun and moon representing balance, and it was engraved with numerous details about the ranger to whom it had been given. I have this. Bolthar produced an intricate wooden carving about the size of his hand. It was an exact figure of Greta, his wife who had long passed. My Greta carved this not long before she died. She was a magnificent artist, he said with pride. Mmm, Gristleback held it up to one eye. I've seen neater craftsmanship, but you can see the love. Can't put a price on that. He looked up at April. And you, princess? Anything you do care to part with today, or are we looking at the window option again? 
April stepped forwards, clutching her backpack. I have this. She placed her battered copy of Kelethor's Definitive Guide to Magics gently on the desk. Kelethor's Guide, Gristleback said with amusement. Not exactly a rarity, princess. One would think a royal could do better. It's not rare, no, but it is mine. Taken from the royal library in the palace at Greenbridge. She leafed through the pages of the book. You can see where I've made notes, and my name is on the inner cover. She stared at the familiar inscription of her own name from when she was just a child. The book had been with her ever since she grasped how to read it without all the letters falling apart in her mind. Uh, I suppose it'll do. It'll be worth something if you become queen. Or if you die, Gristleback grinned. Uh, all right then, that'll do for the tributes. We'll arrange coin payments tomorrow, Phelan. He nodded at her, and she nodded back once. Go down the stairs, on the ninth step down, knock the wooden panel on your right six times. You'll stay here tonight. Thank you, Gristleback, said Phelan. As she walked through the door and began down the stairs, Bolthar muttered into her ear, Payment? Didn't think the tributes would be the only cost, did you? Phelan replied. April and Willow were the last ones to leave the room. I'll be seeing you again, dog. Gristleback stared at Willow, who looked back briefly concerned before pacing through the door. The syndicate boss elected to ignore April's glowering at him. They reached the ninth step down, and Phelan knocked on the right panel six times. A small click was heard. It opened inwards, revealing a large room, and they were greeted by a small man wearing a waistcoat and hat. "'Welcome, welcome!' he raised his arms in a broad gesture. "'The beds here are all yours. There's food on the table there and the previous through the back. Any questions? No? Good. See you tomorrow.' He walked out the door, closed it behind him, and locked it with a clunk. "'Tomorrow?' April protested. "'It's barely even the afternoon.' They'll have locked us in to make sure we don't go out and get ourselves seen, Phelan replied. I feel like with our group they didn't entirely think that through, Bolthar mused. Fire and axes can take on wood any day. It's procedure. Phelan wandered over to the table and began nibbling on the various bits of food that had been spread out for them. Best get comfy. We'll be here a while. The group settled in among the six beds lining the room. They had a pleasantly uneventful evening, filled with conversation, food, and the odd card game. Night came and went, though they could only tell by the time on their tick-tock watches, and the morning was only signified by the fact that they were all awake again. They had just finished their morning routines when the door unlocked and in strolled the short man once more. "'Morning, morning, rise and shine, or dark and gloom,' he winked. "'Here's some breakfast for you.' He placed a tray of breakfast foods upon the table and a bowl of meat cuts for Willow. Come downstairs and out the back when you're ready. He wandered out again, leaving the door unlocked this time. The group ate their meal in relative silence, gathered their things and went back down the steep stairs into the reception. Hello again, dears. This way if you please. The old lady smiled, opening up a portion of her reception's counter to allow them through and pointed at the door behind. The group looked around nervously but did as instructed. It led to a narrow hallway, which in turn led to another door. Nothing simple here, is it? Bolthar remarked. Wouldn't be much of a criminal enterprise if it was, Phelan replied. They opened the next door and were greeted with the outside world. Wooden boards trod underfoot as a carriage in front of them was being loaded with goods. Ah, princess, we meet again, 